All right, good morning. We're going to have fun for uh, five weeks in a row. Um, I hope you'll, you'll dive in, and um, I hope if you have questions that uh, we get to talk about them. And here's what I'll do today. I was going to have paper, but we have those cards. So if you have a question, um, if you have a question of any kind, um, just put, you don't have to put your name on there. If you want, you can put your name on there. Um, I'll read them all. And Chris, I've always wondered about this. Somebody asked me about that. People were coming into the movie the other night, and they were asking me questions. And, and so the discussion's going. And just write it down for me. I'll answer as many as I can during the messages. And then what I'll do is I'll try other avenues, whether it's you know, Facebook or um, maybe we'll do a special Q&A session after one of the Sundays or something like that. How many got some questions rattling around up in there? All right, so just... Take a card out, all right, and uh, what could they do? Drop it in the, and there's boxes in the back. There's black boxes in the back for, for giving. You can drop it in one of those. You can leave it at the information table, anywhere you like. Um, so let's, uh, let's do work. Are you ready? I'm not talking to you guys today. We're, we, we are not starting off on the right foot. Are we ready? Yeah, I'll stay in order. I like you guys. All right. Um, I'm going to give you one more chance. How's that? All right. Romans uh, 8. So if, you, if you've uh, watched this, this movie, um, you, one of the, the common things is uh, God, quote, God the Father is portrayed as an African-American woman. I love it. I absolutely love it, right? And, um, uh, but her name is Papa. And uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this says so much. It says so much, just the image and the phrase and everything. And Romans 8, uh, 14 says this, Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. So much of religion even if it's under the label of Christian, is fear-based and fear-driven. And I just want to tell you, you, you don't have to fear. There's nothing to fear. In fact, if it's anything to do with fear, you probably want to get away from it. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. It's, it doesn't represent God at all. Um, and some of you, this is going to be like a slow turn. This is going to be like, oh, come on, I, I, I want my fear. Right? It's hard to let go of it for some of you. Now, I've told you this is going to be a journey. If you, if you weren't here for the last two or three weeks, go out into the bookstore and get a copy of the message. Seriously. Do yourself a favor and back it up and take the journey. Get the last two or three weeks. Go to the bookstore. Also, um, stay with us through the whole thing. Write your questions down. But it says... Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You're led by the Spirit. What are you led by? The Spirit. Not led by fear. You're led by the Spirit. You didn't receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to spear, but you received the spirit of sonship. The spirit of sonship. If it ever feels like you're a son or a daughter... A son or a daughter in a healthy relationship... A couple of you, 
few of you, maybe you grew up in bad circumstances. That's not the right parallel. By the way, if you know any of the thing of the story of the shack and the story of Paul Young, who was here with us, is one of the reasons that God comes as, a, uh, as an African-American woman is that was an acceptable image to him because the image of a father figure was so scarred in his brain from his childhood. Think about this. That made him fear. You didn't receive a spirit of fear, uh, but of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba. Let's say that word together. One, two, three. Abba. Abba. You'll also find this in Galatians. In other words, this is so important. When we get to the point where our relationship to God is just following the Spirit and saying, Papa, then we're getting close. Some of you, you grew up in rule-based, fear-based, punitive-based, and it's so hard to let, I, I, I can't let go. Aren't, aren't we going to have to get somebody? And just, just stay with me. Papa, this is the spirit that God gives you. Now, this morning I Googled, the, I Googled this phrase. Most famous sermons. If you open Google and put it in these words, most famous sermons... This is what will come up at the top. It came to the top of my page. Ready? Most famous sermon probably in American history from 1741. I know what it is. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. How many of you read that in literature class at some point? No, it crossed out. It got into literature. American lit classes read this. Sinner, the most famous Sermon of all time, sinners, guess who that is? <laughs> In the hands of a what? Angry God, right? And now, now this is important. Listen, I'm going to go carefully and slowly, and some of you are going to try to throw me in the street and all that, but just hang in there, all right? There are a lot of people who have started serving coffee at church and put blue jeans on and have a band, and they don't title their sermons that, but if you push enough, if you peel the onion back far enough, deep down, the belief is there is a God, and he's very angry, and you are a sinner. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. We're gonna, how many will stay with me for five weeks before you leave the church and write bad emails? For five weeks. All right. I'm going to try right? To turn this thing absolutely 100% upside down. And I'm going to try to say that God is good. God is absolutely good, that there is no darkness in him whatsoever. Oh, that's a Bible verse. Now, before we get there, um, we need to understand a couple of things. Our, our view is dependent on what we've taken in over the years. So the story in, in the shack is there's this guy named Mac, and he's in a lot of pain. He's in a depression, and his depression kind of comes from a few things, one of which is his upbringing. He's in a lot of pain over his upbringing and the way his dad treated him. His dad treated him terribly growing up. 
And so he had what they call today, in today's world, dad issues. But it colored him. It colored his view of God. It, it tainted him, made him depressed. Then he had a major, massive loss in his life. And then it just bittered him and depressed him. And so the story goes on that he has to sort of figure out all of this mess. I talked to one person after the movie on Friday night from the church. I saw him afterwards and he said, that was me. That was me. That's how my dad treated me. And that's how his dad treated him. And I am trying to break that chain for the next generation. Here's the thing. A lot of times people have the wrong idea of God. So this guy, Matt, goes into this shack and God isn't there. God invites him there, but God isn't there. This is very powerful. There's no one there. Why? What is this symbolic of? He goes back in because the image that he has of God does not exist. Huge thought. Is it possible that the idea that you have in your head is the wrong idea? May I even say completely? We were kicking this around with our staff this week, and one of, the, one of the guys brought up this point. He says, you know, I think the problem is a lot of people believe that God loves them. Right? How many of you ever heard this? God loves you. It's like, well, yeah, duh, Chris. I mean. And then here's the thing. He has to. It's his job. So he's like, what we have a hard time, under, what we have a hard time believing is that God likes us. that's where we struggle. Well, he has to love me because he's God and it's like in his job description and all that. But he doesn't really like me. He's really generally disappointed in me. He generally disapproves of the things that I do. And this is trying to say, no, no, not at all. God is absolutely full on adoring you. How many, how many grandparents do we have here today? How many grandparents? How many grandparents just said unbelievably ridiculous things about your grandkids? Just bored people to tears. Some of you, come on, you've bored me, a couple of you. I mean, it's... So use a diff, we'll use a different word from love because some words get so used they don't even have meaning anymore. I'm going to use this word, God adores you. I mean, the grandparents, they get the pictures out, they start scanning them. Have you ever been through one of these just torturous experiences? And they just, they start saying all of these things and they keep going and going and going. And I just have to tell you, this is how I think God thinks of you. I do not think of sinner in the hands of an angry God. I think unbelievable treasure in the wallet of a doting grandpa. Could we make that the, the second most famous sermon in America? We'll get to the fact that you're not perfect. Anybody here trying to pretend you're not perfect, by the way? Come on. No one's trying to pretend that. 
But if you, look, if you fundamentally had this idea that God isn't angry at me, but God is adoting, adoring me, then all of a sudden, God himself becomes very likable. If you've seen the movie, Octavia Spencer plays God the Father, Papa, right? You want to hug her. Who doesn't want to hug Octavia Spencer? Huh? You just want a muffin and a hug. That's all you want. What an unbelievable... Now, I'm not saying... Look, it's all a metaphor. I'm not saying it's the perfect movie or it's the, the revelation of God. I'm saying what a, what a starter. What a, what, a, what a generator of thought. That What if God is ridiculously and radically way more loving than we ever began to dream or think or imagine? What if God likes you? First John 1 says this. He is light, and in him there is, what? No darkness. There's no bad side. There's no shadow side to God. Now, some of you, but yeah, but isn't he like supposed to punish and all that? Isn't that a big part of what he does? Look, this is something that we gotta, we got to roll through here. Um. Mm, the time, the time. Let's do this. John chapter 9. I think, do we have that one? John 9. And I think in the booth you guys can pop it up there. Here, here, is how, um, here is how people have struggled with understanding God for centuries and centuries. This is back in Jesus' day. As he went along, he sees a man blind from birth. Okay? And as he sees this man who was blind from birth, the disciples ask Jesus... Uh, Rabbi, who sinned? So what's the assumption right away? Ready? What's the assumption? The blindness is what? Related to sin. Now I got to tell you, that was 2,000 years ago, and that thinking still exists today. Today, people still come up to me and ask me these questions. Something's not right in their life. Something didn't go well. There's an illness, an injury, a loss of a job, any kind of thing. And they go, well, maybe God is what? Punishing me. Are you ready? No. 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 Neither, Jesus says. One, two, three. Neither. It ain't about sin. It ain't about that. God is not punishing this person. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. All right? This was something completely different. And um, this is an opportunity. Ready? This is an opportunity for God to do a miracle. Now, think about it for a minute. I don't have a lot of time to explain and the details of this verse but here's the thing that you want to understand people often link something some kind of punishment some something uh, uh, negative and they say well there's, there's some reason that this happened god is getting paying me for this or paying me for my dad's sin or paying me for adam's sin or paying me for my and jesus is saying no neither it's not about that you have to decouple this idea of punishment that God's going to get you, right, for something that you did. All right, now, I haven't even got to the start of the message yet. This is just the introduction. All right, see? Now watch. Ready? 
Uh, you're in trouble. You're just in trouble. All right. Here's the thing. What if God is bigger, higher, better than you've ever believed? What if God is not white? What? Are you kidding me? God isn't white? You know all the scuttlebutt and people are talking? That's half, half the people. That's their problem. That's their problem right there. How sick and sad and messed up is that? How many of you know that most of the planet is not white? Some of you really need to get out more. God is not male. Now I'm leaving, Chris. Now I'm out. I'm just peck. Get the kids. Honey, get the kids. Get the kids. God isn't white or male or angry. He's a Democrat. No, I'm just kidding. A little joke. Just throw one in there. Tim, I should not have said that. I just can't. It was right there. It wasn't in the notes. Anyway, all right. Everybody settle down. Settle down. All right. God is not one. He's three in one. There's things we don't understand. God's mysterious. Now, before I start the message, when I finish the introduction... I have a question for you. How do you, this is a question for you. How do you think God wants us to feel? How do you think God wants us to feel? If it's sinners in the hands of an angry God, what's the basic feeling? Cowering, fear, shame, hiding, running. How many of you want your kids to feel that way? And you're not sick and twisted. You, you don't want your kids to feel cower. What do, you, what do you want your kids to feel? Confidence. How many know one of the greatest things a, a kid can feel in life is Confidence. The greatest gift that you can give your kids, confidence, belief in themselves, ability to stand up, to talk to people, look them in the eye, feel good about who they are. I think more than anything else, God wants you to feel strong and confident, to look at them and say, Papa. As we go through the series, I want you to ask questions. As Tim said so well in the introduction, questions are good. We want you to feel free. Why? Because if you don't ask questions, you'll have to fake your faith. And your faith will become plastic. It won't become genuine. There's no way. There's no way you could dive all the way into this and have no questions. In fact, the more you dive, the deeper you dive, the bigger the questions get. 
How many have ever had this question? Yeah, Chris, yeah, but, yeah, but what about all the stuff in the Old Testament? How many have had this question before? But, you had this question. but what about all that? You want me to answer that one? You guys want to do that one? Now? How many want to do it now? How many want to do like a special seminar on it and I'll talk on it later? How many aren't coming anyway? <laughs> this seminar because I want... Uh, uh, here, I'll give you a two-minute... If you go to a Bible college, most colleges will teach something like this. I remember sitting in Bible school. I didn't know anything, right? And they start, they start this because it comes up, right? Well, what about all the blood and guts and gore? Let's kill everybody. And what about that? Oh, man, Ben's allowed to answer. Look up there. And it was like some choking. <coughs> And then they started throwing out big words like dispensationalism. I didn't have Google back then, so I was old school, going to get books. What does that mean? Well, there are these eras. And these eras where God was in charge, but he had administrations, and he was in charge in a different kind of way. Okay, so I'm making notes. Like way back in the Old Testament days, he was more like, a little more. He ruled with law and just... Mm. And then he had a come-to-Jesus moment. <laughs> like God got saved or something? And then he got nicer. And then there's a new era, a new discipline. And so I started to find out, well, where does this all say? Where does it say all this? And then, it, it, Has anybody ever seen The Wizard of Oz? Huh? You know what I mean when they're like, remember? And before the great and powerful Oz, and then Toto or Frodo or whoever goes over, they pull the curtain back. I know who Frodo was. They pull the curtain back. And you're like, what? This is all just a smoke and mirrors? This is, look, 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 ready? That's one way you can see it. That's just how God was back then. And then he decided not to rule in that way, and then he decided to rule in a nicer way. Or, ready? No, we'll do it next week. We'll do it next week. All right, we'll do it next week. No, you have to come next week. There's other ways to look at it. I'll do it next week. I got to start the sermon. What do they mean? They call them administrations, like God ruled this way for a certain period of time. And then he stopped ruling that way. And then, like, the flood happened. And then he started ruling in a different way. And he got a little nicer. And then he got a little nicer. And what a wonderful schizophrenic God we serve. That's taught in Bible schools all over America. That's at the foundation of what... Don't we need a better answer than that? That, If you answer it that way, you can get an A in Bible school. But it sucks for the rest of your life. Well, Well, what is it? Well, what if... What if... God wasn't angry, but that's how people saw him. What if the Bible is a story of seeing how people 
changed their view of God over time. Not that God changed, but that we, what? Got a little smarter about it. We progressed in the way we saw him. Because in option A, it's God who is bad and changing. And of course, we, one of the things we believe is that God doesn't change. He's the same. So the other option is we, we, we get to look at how we grew up. Remember what Paul said? When I was a child, I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. How many ever thought some crazy stuff when you were a kid? How many thought some crazy stuff when you were a teenager? How many thought some crazy stuff last night? You're still growing up. You, you, it's, a, it's a progress. Oh, there's all this great new... There's a whole school of teaching to help you understand that the Old Testament is not God changing his mind. It was us waking up to what God is really like. Very slowly, by the way. Perhaps the Old Testament doesn't show us what God is like. It shows us the kinds of lenses that we were using back then. I can't see much right now. I believe you're still there, most of you. But if you want to leave, it's a good time because I wouldn't know. And over time, you, your vision, they got better and better and better. Remember that? I think it's Proverbs that says the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. It's like it's getting better and brighter, clearer. And then, bam, then comes Jesus. Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. There is an idea. Serving. Loving. Submissive. Submissive. God doesn't... Someone gave me a Facebook thing. Oh, Facebook. Oh, Facebook ping the other night. Going to the movie. Someone attacking them. and the, Oh, God doesn't submit to anybody. God doesn't ever... Sub- what? What? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Submit. What gets more submissive than this? Washing feet and getting nailed to a cross. What if God's way more humble? How many love your humble grandpa or your authoritative grandpa? Um, all right, I'm supposed to show some movie clips here. Let's skip to the second one because I just botched the whole message. Can we do the second one? All right. You're the almighty God, right? You know everything. You're everywhere all at once. You have limitless power. Somehow, you let my little girl die when she needed you most. You abandoned her. I never left her. If you are who you say you are, 
Where were you when I needed you? Son, when all you see is your pain, you lose sight of me. Mac is struggling because he feels like God didn't intervene, didn't step in. He should have stepped in, but he believed in his head that the nature of God is sometimes he just, not only does he let people suffer, but sometimes he does the suffering. And he quotes from Psalm 22, which we're going to put on the screen, which Jesus quoted when he was on the cross. And he said, my God, anybody know this? My God, why have you, what, forsaken me? But as if you were here, you got the chance to hear Paul Young. He said, if you go later into the psalm, right? If you go later into the psalm, verse 24, you will see that this is the question. By the way, hold on. He starts with the question, which is, we said all that. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to do. Why have you forsaken me? It's okay to go in your backyard, in your shed, in your garage, in your basement, and scream at the top of your lungs, God, where in the blank were you? That you have my permission. You have. You, you, it's, not, it's, not, it's not wrong. It's not wrong to, to, because deep in your gut, you feel that, God, why didn't you do something? It's healthy. It's helpful. It's real. It's raw. It's honest. We have too much plastic faith. Christianity doesn't work. But it doesn't end with the question. He starts with the question and then he goes on and he wrestles and he wrestles and he wrestles. And in the, by the 24th verse, he comes and he says, God has not despised He has not hidden his face. God suffers with us. The point of the cross, Scripture says that God was in Christ. And the beautiful picture, if you see the movie, is Papa has scars on her hands too. That is to say, God was not the angry God up there punishing down below, but God entered and was suffering. It was God who died. It was God who was in Christ. And when you suffer, God suffers. God feels your pain. God feels every bit of your loss. God feels every bit of your hurt. God is there with you when you suffer. He's not distant and removed. He's not making judgments. He's just suffering with you. David had questions. And I want you to know Scripture says he was a man after God's heart. He wasn't condemned for his questions. I think when we get, think about it, think about it in any relationship. When you get raw, when you get completely honest, aren't those the real relationships in your life? 
I'll talk to anybody out here about the weather and why I'm wearing short sleeves today and why this and why that. You know, you can talk to anybody about surface things. But the people that you really, really know, you have to say the most awe, awesome, raw, honest things to. That's what builds a real relationship. The idea that you have to shut out your real emotions, your real questions from God because he's going to disapprove of your questioning is ridiculous. That's what the Psalms are loaded with. God, where were you? Where were you? Oftentimes we come in here, we we sing songs of answers. You're the best. God, you're the best. You're number one. They're cheerleader songs. That's okay. They're good. Rejoice with those that rejoice. How many found God to be very good in your life? But you've also been at points and situations where, where are you now? The only way you ever have a deep, abiding relationship with God is if you are completely honest. If your questions come to the front. If we start to really wrestle with some of these things. And if we allow, we open our mind so that God could expand into something new. As we go forward in the series, we're going to talk not just about what God is like, but how God sees you. There's way too many of us that believe and we think of ourselves in such negative terms. What parent here would want their child to wake up in the morning and start their day with, I'm a miserable sinner? Wouldn't you want your kid to go to the mirror and say, man, I'm so... How many of you parents here ever tell you your kids are handsome? Huh? Even if you know they're not. <laughs> I already got your hand up there. <laughs> no, you, you, you tell them, you're so smart. You're so strong. Huh? You build them up. You know they're not perfect. You know you have to guide them and steer them and correct them. And... But the overarching message is always this. I believe in you. I believe in you. And what I would like to do is to turn the tables upside down from the most famous sermon in American history. And say, I think it's the complete opposite. You're a treasure in the lap of a loving papa, not a sinner in the hands of an angry God. How many would go visit that God? Think about this. You know why a lot of people think of like going to church is like going to the dentist? Like, if you really got it dialed in at the dentist, I mean, if you really got it dialed in at the dentist, you only have to go twice a year. Christmas and Easter, right? In other words, you got like, it's painful, but if you dial it in right, you only got to go twice a year. But completely flip this upside down. See, the greatest place in the universe is in the lap of our loving, 